This is episode 36 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to another week. Once again, Maureen is in a full robe of a blanket. (laughs) She looks like a little Eskimo. I'm wearing flannel pajamas and I have a blanket on. It's cold in here. She looks like... Also, I just had a root beer float. This will be relevant later when we talk about the Oscars, but she looks like Dr. Don Shirley from Green Book. Didn't he always have blankets (laughs) on him in the movie? They were like long coats. Long coats. No, he didn't. He wore a suit half the time. No, when he was in the back of the car, he always had a blanket on. Well, he was a smart man. (laughs) Maureen really related to him in that respect. Follow up from last week, the quote that you said during the podcast that I, I did not know off the top of my head. Samsonite. I was way off. We had two people contact us that they knew what the quote was and they were both right very proud and maureen what is it so our friend peter and my brother kevin who apparently immediately as my brother heard it and we had given him the shout out he texted being like dumb and dumber it's dumb and dumber and it is and peter got it right too and the interesting thing i don't even know if you did this on purpose but dumb and dumber written and directed by peter Farrelly, now oscar winner which we'll talk about i didn't do that on purpose but dumb and dumber delightful movie delightfully delightfully stupid yes so good it is it's great other piece of follow-up a couple weeks ago we did an entire podcast in our marquee topic about the fire festival and the fire festival documentaries i got a text from one of my friends angela who listens to the podcast thanks for listening angela and thanks for reaching out and she had a couple things she wanted to say about the documentaries, and I just thought we'd discuss it briefly, her feedback. Uh, She's watched both of the documentaries as well and had some thoughts about what we had talked about. So she said, my biggest takeaway, I think, is that you absolutely have to see both of the documentaries so that you can piece together the truth in between the bias of the filmmakers. That's because the Netflix documentary was produced by Jerry Media, or partly produced by Jerry Media, who put on the fire Festival and did, did the all marketing, the marketing for, it, for it, which was brilliant. And now they're named in lawsuits that have been filed against the creators of the festival. And then the other documentary had Billy McFarland as one of their primary sources. So I think to that point, it makes a lot of sense why you would want to watch both documentaries to see if they differ in any way. And I think to that point, yeah, you, you probably should see both of them. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I believe it. I also talked about this with one of my coworkers last week, and he was sharing that he really enjoyed watching both documentaries. He shared my sentiments that he thought it was just a brilliant marketing campaign, um, that the marketing was too good for the actual product. And both of us kind of shared the sentiment that Billy is just a crook and a sociopath. So there was that. But I agree that the between these two documentaries, I agree with Angela's comment You did have to see both of them. I made the comment that I think that there should have only been one documentary and that the two teams should have teamed up. But Netflix and Hulu are trying to race each other to whatever finish line they think is out there. So I think it would have been better if it was all one. Angela also pointed out that she thought that there had to have been some embezzlement of the money that Billy was receiving. Totally. 
Like we talked about he wasn't doing it for his own financial gain, but there must have, you know, she pointed out how else would he have afforded all the jet skis and the penthouses and, yeah, and things like that. Yeah, makes it sound like someone's like taking that money and saving it somewhere. I don't think he was saving anything. I think he was just spending it, but you're totally right. I mean, still he had to have been taking it somewhere. It's like he was taking the money and like setting it on fire. <laughs> yeah. Like... And her favorite comment that she, she wrote to me was, also, Ja Rule is just an idiot who wants to be perceived as a mogul, which I, yeah, I can see that. He didn't seem to have any business acumen with regards to who he teamed up with or, or how he was approaching this whole thing. And I think he just wanted to be more famous. Yeah, but I think you have to be careful about that. When you're putting your name on something, you should really be able to stand by the product. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's Ja Rule's fault, but I feel like he was part of the creative team. He's definitely complicit yes. in it somehow. Yeah. It might not be entirely his fault, but he's definitely complicit. All right. Well, thank you, Angela, for sending the feedback in. We love to hear from our listeners. So if you have feedback on anything we've talked about, please let us know. Reach out to us directly by email or text if you know us personally. Or if you don't, you can get on Anchor, which is where our podcast is hosted. And you can create a quick account and then leave us a voice message that we can play on we'll the podcast. We'll play you on the podcast. Yeah, we'll play you on the podcast. We'd love to do that. Maureen, just a couple snack bag topics because I really want the focus of our episode this week to be the Oscars, which happened last weekend. The first one is something that just totally slipped under my radar. Totally slipped under my radar. Katy Perry is engaged. Go into the chapel and she's gonna get married. Did you have any concept that she was engaged? Uh, no, but I don't really follow a lot of did you even know she was dating anybody? Yeah, I knew she and Orlando Bloom, but they they were like on again, off again. So like they took a br- brief period apart and now then they got back together. But so he proposed on Valentine's Day in a helicopter. Wow. Wow. That is a rich proposal if I've ever is, heard of one. Will Kitty Purry be involved in the wedding? Oh, she has to be. Meow. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting because I wasn't even aware she was dating someone. I was, I was totally out of the loop on this. And then I saw she was on Jimmy Kimmel. And she was wearing her engagement ring and talking about Orlando Bloom and her getting married. You know, I think his career has just gone real south since the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He tried to move on from the franchise and then he realized, oh, wait, that was, you know, that was my big Millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Other snack bag piece for this week. Uh, This is just, I I don't really even know what to say about this whole thing. A couple weeks ago on the podcast, we talked about what seemed at the time was a hate crime against actor, musician, Jesse Smollett. Now the story, since we talked about that, has just, it's gotten crazy. The story has evolved. Now we find out that, and we don't know exactly, I don't know if we'll ever know the full truth, but now apparently he has been accused and and charged with misleading the police officers in Chicago that he may have set up this whole attack. As a, as a sort of a way to get back at people who were doubting him or... or I don't know what. The whole thing is crazy. And if that part's true, that's a really sad turn of events because it just devalues all of the real hate crimes and and terrible things that are happening in the world. I mean, this was a huge story for two weeks and it just takes news attention away from real issues out there. Yeah, I think the whole thing is very sad. I also think for me, it's more like we're all just people. Like we're all just humans. The stars... Yeah, they're famous and yeah, they're beautiful, but they're just flawed humans like the rest of us. And so all the news, it's like, you know, is he depressed? Is he, you know, is he just trying, is he addicted to fame? Is he just wanting to be more in the spotlight? I don't know what the deal is, but 
I can imagine that if this is fake, that he had to be feeling some serious emotions to make someone do something like that. And I think that mental health is something that everyone needs to take more of a look at. And if he did fake this, I think it's awful and could hurt a lot of people in the, in the broad sense that like... Well, it hurts the cause because the people who don't think that those things exist will point to this and say, look, it's made up. It's not a real thing. And in reality, it is. And it happens more often than we hear about on the news. It doesn't seem, from what we're reading in the news, that Jesse Smollett did this to hurt other people or to make a point in that way. It seems like he did this for self-benefit or for... right. And that, to me, is really sad and indicates that maybe he's struggling with some mental health issues. We'll keep uh, keep you posted if we read more about this and you're interested in, in the story as it, as it evolves. Okay, that's all for the snack bag this week. Not a whole lot going on. The big news on all the entertainment websites and in all the trades was the Oscars. So before we get into that as our marquee topic, let's take a quick moment to hear from one of our sponsors. Do you ever listen to an episode of the podcast and think, man, I'd love to give podcasting a try? Or maybe you think to yourself, that Josh, he's a hack. I could do my own show about pop culture. I'd want to keep Maureen though. She's great. Well, I've got good news for you. Anchor, the very platform we use for the podcast, is the easiest way to make a podcast. Their platform is super simple to use and gives you everything you need to make your show in one place, either on your phone or on your computer. And the best part? It's completely free to use. They have the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast, and they'll take care of distribution so you can make your voice heard everywhere from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Google Podcasts and more. You can also make money from your podcast and get this, there is no minimum listenership required to start making money. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, back to the show. Maureen, marquee topic this week what else is there to talk about but the 2019 Oscars, Very the 91st exciting. annual Oscars were this past Sunday. No host Oscars. No host Oscars. We had 29 million people tune in. That was a 12% jump from last year, which was their all-time low in terms of That's viewership. That's bizarre. I wonder why. Well, I think that the, the, the thing that I've been reading as to the reason why the viewership jumped was because... You had three movies that were nominated for Best Picture in Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, and A Star is Born that were really big commercial successes. I mean, Black Panther was the biggest film of last year. It made $700 million in the United States. And it won a lot States. of awards. Yeah. Well-deserved. the telecast ran three hours and 22 minutes, which I looked up because I was, I was curious as to see what the longest running Oscars was. That was in 2002 when the Oscars ran four hours and 23 minutes. Can you imagine a four hour and 23 minute no. Oscars? No, we would no. have had to turn it off. The big winners of the night were Green Book, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Panther, and Roma. Green Book took home Best Picture. Bohemian Rhapsody took home four trophies and Black Panther and Roma took home three awards each. I think we should start at the beginning. So a lot was made before the fact that there was no host for the show. And the show this year opened with a performance from Queen and Adam Lambert. What did you think about the opening? And what did you think about the fact that there was no host? I wasn't a huge fan of the opening. I like Adam Lambert. I like Queen. I thought their performance was good. I had a couple of friends who were texting me as this was happening live saying, oh my gosh, he sounds amazing. And Adam Lambert did sound 
great. But I felt like... It was weird, right? Yeah, it was super weird. And I think I said out loud, what is this, the Grammys? Like, first of all, it was showing weird favoritism towards one movie. It wasn't like Queen plays best songs from all the movies. It was just Queen playing Queen songs because a movie about Queen had been nominated? It was weird. It was super weird. Yeah, the connection was kind of small. I think it was a miss, too. It was neither good nor bad. The performance itself was fine. But it didn't really fit the show. The camera panning around the audience showed that some people were really into it. Like Javier Bardem was losing his mind as as this performance was going on. He was like rocking in his seat. And then there were other people who were just sitting there thinking to themselves, this is the weirdest way to open an award show celebrating movies with a rock performance from Queen. I will say that, yeah, they had this like awkward start. And then I think the first presenters were Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph, which was the smartest thing you could possibly do. And their whole shtick as, you know, presenters was, if we were the host, we would tell you jokes like X, Y, or Z. And they were really funny and timely and involved all the movies. And and it was pretty quick. It was like three or four minutes long. Short and sweet. But the three of them are female like comedy powerhouses. Good evening and welcome to the one millionth Academy Awards. We are not your hosts, but we're gonna stand here a little too long so that the people who get USA Today tomorrow will think that we hosted. That's great, that's great. So just a quick update for everybody in case you're confused. There is no host tonight. There won't be a popular movie category and Mexico is not paying for the wall. That's right, and we won't be doing awards during the commercials, but we will be presenting commercials during the awards. So if all the winners could please say, Hellman's mayonnaise, we're on the side of food, instead of your speeches, that would be great. I just thought that was perfect. They came in, they did a little intro, it included everybody, it wasn't just focused on one movie or one genre or whatever, and then they moved on to the award and they kicked it off from there. They were one of my highlights. So I agree, I think that they did a nice job. I'm kind of going back and forth about this, and, and most of the things that I've been reading about this have been going back and forth as well as to whether or not there actually needs to be a host. I didn't yes. miss no, well, oh, hold on. I didn't I didn't miss a 10 minute 10 to 12 minute opening monologue where half of it wasn't that funny and it felt like the show was dragging from the beginning. I didn't miss that. The queen opening was weird, but it at least got the show so started quickly. So maybe there needs to be a host, it just needs to be shorter. Because honestly, and I'm sure we'll get there, I'm jumping to the end, but like Sweet, sweet Julia Roberts being like, well, I guess that's the end. Hi to my kids at home. And then like that was the end. Like, no, you need end caps to something like this. And I think that maybe we don't need it to be as egregious as it normally is in terms of like the host kind of milking it. But I do, I missed having some kind of like one at the beginning, one at the end, one in the middle. I didn't miss the host throughout the show. I I agree that it might have been nice at the beginning and end to tie things together, but I didn't miss the random bits that they would do like Jimmy Kimmel last year had like the hot dog shooters that, you know, that just takes up time that is not really relevant to the films. It's just a it's just a way to involve the host in the middle of the show. I didn't really miss Fine, that. Then how about this? Grew the host idea, but I would like an opening production number five minutes or less and a closing production number five minutes or less. OK, that's fair. Let's move on to the 
actual awards, any surprises, any disappointments for you? Oh my gosh. Obviously there's a huge one. I know Josh and I agree on this. Well, I have a, I have thoughts on that, but but we'll we'll save that one for the end. I'm going to say that I thought that it was really nice that Black Panther won a couple of awards up front in the technical categories. It won for production design yeah. and it won for costume design. Two black women who took home the awards. It was the first time in more than 35 years that a, a black woman had, had won in a non-acting category. That was really cool. Two other things I wanted to point out as, as pleasant surprises from the show before we move on. I thought well-deserved Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won Best Animated Feature. That's a great movie. I said it might have been my favorite movie from 2018. So if you haven't seen it, it is absolutely worth seeing. And if you can see it in theaters, do it. But it'll be out very soon to watch at home if you'd like to do that. And then I was also very happy that the documentary Free Solo, which was my teaser a couple weeks ago, won Best Documentary Feature. I just really like that there's a husband and wife team who are the filmmakers. They seem like very down-to-earth people. They seem extremely nervous accepting the awards. Do you think Josh is trying to tell me something here? <laughs> Let's make a documentary. <laughs> and I just thought it was really cool that they won the award. And then the other thing was the filmmaking team that that won the best animated short for Bao. It was really cool. They were a female filmmaking team and they just seemed genuinely excited to be on stage and oftentimes we see these short categories and we're like, who are these people? Can we get to the stars? But it was really nice to watch people who genuinely were thrilled to be winning an award and being respected for their work up on stage. I thought that was really cool. Along those lines, the the women filmmaking team who did the documentary about women getting their period and being forced out of education. And so they were basically, you know, trying to bring them sanitary products and like helped a culture shift where just because a girl comes of age and goes through puberty doesn't mean she has to be giving up her education. <laughs> One of the filmmakers was just in tears the whole time. Like, you could just tell how much this meant to her, not only winning the award, but that so many people were recognizing that this was a problem that needed to be solved and these women needed and to be And that more helped. people might be aware yeah. now that they've won an award. Yeah. Any big disappointments that you had? Can I talk about it now? Are you ready to talk about it? We're talking about the best actress category. The nominees were Lady Gaga, who I desperately wanted to win, Glenn Close, who was favored to win and who has never won before and is an acting legend. Who are the other ones? Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, first Oscar nomination. I didn't second, see her. Second Oscar oh, nomination. Oh, what yeah. was her first one? For Bridesmaids. That's hilarious. Well, moving on. She didn't win. Who were the other ones? Elita Aparicio. Oh, yes. From, from Roma. Roma. And, and Olivia, Olivia Coleman. Coleman. From the favorite. So obviously everyone thought Glenn Close, Lady Gaga. Olivia Coleman ended up winning. And it was heartbreaking because she basically got up there. And Josh had recently shown me this Saturday Night Live skit of one of the current cast members impersonating Olivia Coleman and basically just being like, oh, I'm dr drunk and British. And like she was like, you know, just saying all these funny things. And that's pretty much how her speech was. She, I don't think she was drunk. But she was surprised. And it was just like they called her to win and... I just felt so bad for Glenn Close, who probably thought this was my time. I felt so bad for Lady Gaga secondarily. I saw the favorite. I don't really think this was a leading role. You know, obviously was the central character, but like didn't even have that much screen time. The point is, she won. She got up there. She was surprised and bumbling and British and goofy. And I just don't think she should have won. I have a lot of thoughts on this. And they've evolved since the Oscars on Sunday night. The first thing is that I don't think she should have won. 
But my reasons for that have evolved from I didn't think she was good to this reasoning that Maureen touched on, which is she's not really the lead performance in the film. I do think she did a good job. And the more I thought about her performance in the movie... she did a good job, but so did like millions of people who were in movies these days. But the more that I thought about it, she had to play a balance between a dramatic side. There's a scene in The Favorite when she's talking about having lost a bunch of children. She played that really nicely and really subtly. That was one scene, and she did. It was beautiful. It was five minutes long. Think about how many more scenes Gaga but, had than that. But where then, she was amazing. I didn't. You're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm so upset. Still, it hurts. It hurts so much. But she also played comedically too in the film and was good at that as well. So I don't think she should have won because I don't think she was a lead performance. But I also don't think Glenn Close should have won because I didn't feel like that was the best performance of the year in a leading category. I'm with you. I think Lady Gaga should have won the award. But what I'm saying is that I'm not upset that it went to someone other than Glenn Close because I don't think that Glenn Close should get an award just because it's her time and that she's been nominated seven times you know, before. If it was going to go to someone who, quote unquote, had a lead role, I would have wanted it to go to Lady Gaga. But I'm not mad that Olivia Coleman won because I thought she did a good job. I'm mad because I don't think her performance was a leading role, if that makes sense. You know, the studios get to decide what they put their performers up for. And I don't think that there's any criteria that you have to meet, like a certain amount of time that you appear on screen or whatever the case is. But I just think that that whole aspect of are you really supporting or are you really a lead? I think that should play a factor in whether or not you win the award. If someone out there loved The Favorite and thought she was the best thing ever, I'd love to hear your opinion on why. She did win the BAFTA as well, which most people said, oh, well, she's British, so of course she wins the British award. But she came in and won the Oscar. I've been listening to a podcast that she was on where she's interviewed. She seems like a very nice person, yeah, kind of she flighty. she seems really like, down to earth. I agree with Josh in a flighty way. like Kind of like, oh, I don't even know what all the gossip is about me because I don't care. I'm just happy and like doing my own thing. I think that was the single biggest surprise of the entire night, especially in terms of the big awards. I should point out at this time that Maureen and I's predictions were poor again. Maureen got two of six right, and I got three of six right. Which two did I, Which three did you get right, rather? I think I got supporting actor, lead actor, and best director. And you didn't pick best director. You picked Spike Lee instead. He did win, though, for screenwriting. Screenwriting, yeah. That was another fun surprise. And he was really surprise. excited. Yeah, that was, this was his first Oscar. His and first, obviously, yeah. he's a very celebrated director and screenwriter and... Who was announcing him? Was it Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson? Jackson yeah. he, he was like, when he opened the envelope, he was like, yeah, Spike Lee. Yeah. So that was really fun to kind of watch that camaraderie too. Yeah. So that was another fun surprise that he finally won a competitive Oscar. He actually got an honorary Oscar four years ago. So he's one of very few people to win a competitive Oscar after winning an honorary Oscar as well. Okay. So I want to talk about a couple disappointments and there's really only a few here, but the, the big one was that Green Book won Best Picture and that Green Book won Best Original Screenplay. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I just don't understand how this movie won. I'm fine with the screenplay one, but it, Best Picture, I don't know, man. I actually think the screenplay one is more egregious because of all the controversy that surrounded the, you know, Peter Farrelly and Nick Vallelonga that we talked about on our podcast about Green Book. And also just the fact that the story is just so so simplified 
from what it really was. And, and we talked about this in depth on our Green Book podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, that was episode 30. You should definitely check that out. But all the stuff that I've been reading about this is that this feels like a movie that would have won Best Picture in the early 90s. And it doesn't reflect where our country is right now. And it feels like a lot of the old guard in the Academy voted for this movie. We talked a little bit on the podcast, our last podcast on it, which Josh is referencing episode 30, about how while we both really liked the story, which is, you know, about two men from different races who, you know, end up becoming friends, it's just a little watered down. It's like this safe telling of the story and it doesn't get into a lot of like the nitty gritty and the real hardships. They they show, for example, Mahershala Ali's character getting beat up, but it's in a very like PG way, which as a viewer was easier for me to watch, but maybe risked making the racism they were talking about look not as bad as it was. And the other thing about it was the end of the movie, you know, they become friends in the film and Mahershala Ali's character goes over to Viggo Mortensen's character's house and shares dinner and everybody's like, well, we're not racist anymore. And that's kind of how the movie ends. That's just not the reality of the world we live in. And it's so interesting because you look at a movie like Black Klansman, which was also nominated for for Best Picture. And that movie, which is also about racism, ends with footage from the Charlottesville riots in 2017 that, that very much shows that the stuff they were dealing with in the time of Black Klansman is the stuff we're dealing with today. And it makes it, it, it helps the viewer understand that racism and injustice and evil spiritedness towards other people exist in a lot of the same ways that it always has and and i feel like green book is like this feel good like everything solved sort of a movie which may make it more popular green book doesn't make you think as much as black klansman does it doesn't make you uncomfortable and propel you towards potentially trying to take action to make the world better. It, it does make you feel a little bit like it's solved. I mean more popular in the sense that I mean maybe more palatable, easier to watch. Well, I think the other thing that about this is that conversely, you had another movie in the best picture category in Black Panther that wasn't about racism, but that portrayed, you know, like black culture and African culture in a really positive way that had nothing to do with another race coming in and, and saving them and felt very progressive in that way and in showing and sharing stories that aren't typically seen on screen. And then you end up with a movie that wins where really the white character is the savior, where the black character, as we talked about in the podcast about Green Book, ends up being like sort of this quote unquote magical Negro who helps the white character figure things out and then sort of disappears and goes back to their life without anything changed. So I, I just find it interesting that, that you had two movies and two movies from black filmmakers in Spike Lee and Ryan Coogler that were more progressive in terms of how we think about race and different cultures. And then the one that was very traditional and very old Hollywood is the and one that wins. made by white filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. But are there other reasons that Green Book would have won? I mean, look, the performances were good. It's an enjoyable th story to watch. So I can see why people would have voted for it. I don't know. It's just an interesting point to, to think about. And we'll see what happens next year when we get to the Oscars again. Let's talk quickly about there were a couple performances of of songs in in the in the telecast. Oh, so many thoughts, so many feelings. So I think we can get it out of the way first that Three of them were just okay. Two of those were songs that 
had singers that Maureen and I knew. One was Jennifer Hudson, who sang a song called I'll Fight from the documentary RBG. Thought that was fine, but very pretty, but nothing special. Then Bette Midler sang a song from Mary Poppins Returns. But why? But why? Yeah, she was, first of all, the song is not written for her. It's not really. This is a song that Emily Blunt sings in the movie. So from, I love Bette Midler. All I wanted her to do was sing I Put a Spell on You from Hocus Pocus and just call it a day. It just seemed like, why was she out there singing Emily the song? Emily Blunt should have been there. It was very yeah. strange. Then there was a song from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which we have not seen, nor have we heard the song before. It was fine. It was kind of weird. These two people were dressed up in... It was just very, like, folksy country. Yeah. But then the performance that we should talk about is Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga sang Shallow from A Star Is Born. This was the only Oscar that, that the film won. They won Best Original Song for Shallow. Lady Gaga gave a nice speech. They sang the song. This The the performance was, was shot in one take. There was a camera that followed them as they walked from the audience on stage. I thought that they did pretty well. Yeah, I think so did the internet. They had basically the, a really good chemistry. They Imagine, you guys, imagine that you just walk into an empty room and all that's in the room is a piano and a man and a woman and they're just singing and like looking at each other and like like just the most intense it was like no one else was in the room with them and this is the way that they shot it too so it was shot from one camera basically like on the stage behind Gaga and Bradley and the piano looking out into the audience. But they blurred out the faces of everyone in the audience, which was kind of creepy. But basically all you could see was like Gaga and Bradley and the piano. Gaga and Bradley just basically locked eyes on each other and it just made you feel like they were just so in love and just looked at each other. And, you know, whether or not they are in love or not, I mean, Bradley has a young child and a girlfriend. And I think Gaga just called off an engagement and has been involved with other people. Whether or not they are in love with each other or not, as I would like to hope someday, you can tell that they have a deep love for each other, a deep respect and a deep friendship. And that despite any disappointment about the film or nominations or whatever it may be, like, it almost felt like this was their chance to be like, Hey, America, we know this song is good and we're just going to enjoy it and it doesn't matter what you think. It felt very intimate and like you were invited into their private moment and I just love them. Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Oh, do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? In all the good times I find myself longing for change And in the bad times I fear myself Tell me something, boy Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? Or do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? I'm falling And I 
Sometimes I find myself longing for change And in the bad times I fear myself was good look bradley cooper is not a singer he did an admirable job he did really well i rewatched the performance again after the fact he's fine he's not great he's not terrible he's on pitch at least lady gaga is just a great singer she had a couple moments where it wasn't quite her best but she's good i think the weirdest thing about the performance is that the reason it was so good in the movie is because they're playing characters and it's a little uncomfortable to watch them. Yeah, you like feel like they're gonna like run away together. Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga instead of as Jackson Maine and Allie from the film. So it's a little weird in that sense. I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. It was definitely the most enjoyable performance of the night, you know, of the very few that there were. But yeah, we'll link the full the full performance in the show notes. If you haven't seen it, check it out and let us know what you think. So here's the other thing I want to say is that in the context of the movie, this song comes as the first time he like invites her out on stage. They are falling in love. They're not yet a couple. This is the first time she's really performing on stage. It's at one of his concerts and it's in the very like fledgling stages of their relationship. It's like full of it's like a, a deep song, but it's taking place in the movie in in a sense of like full of hope and excitement and possibility. In the context of all of the nominations and snubs, it felt like the song was like the one last thing that they had to hold on to. And so it didn't feel like full of excitement and youth and possibility and hope. It feels like you're two people who are just clinging to each other through this song of like, this is the last thing we have. And that's just an interesting thing to reflect on. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way, but you're definitely right. On a scale of one to ten, to wait, wrap wait, this up, I have one oh. more. I have one more thing to say, and that is a shout out to Julia Roberts. I know I talked about her kind of being weird at the end, but she looked so beautiful. She was having this like legally blonde moment in this bright pink dress and has blonder hair than normal. But I just, I'm a big fan of Julia Roberts. She wasn't nominated for anything, but she came out for the last award. And was just so gorgeous and classy. And I just felt like it was one of her like best moments. And it just made me very happy. On a scale of 1 to 10, to wrap this up, what was your enjoyment level of the show? Take into consideration the winners and the performances. Overall, what did you think? 7? Okay. Yeah, I'd give it a six and a half, seven as well. You know, the Oscars are always going to be one of my favorite things to watch. And I'm already excited for next year's as well. So, yeah. I'll give it a six and a half. I always 
always feel a little bit more excited when one of the films that I particularly like loved or felt was amazing wins a bunch. And this year, so Maureen, what Maureen is saying is that her favorite Oscars of all time was 1998 when Titanic won, <laughs> yes. a, won 11 awards. <laughs> yes, except Leo was snubbed and my heart was. He wasn't even for nominated. Him. I know it was. It was very. And Kate Winslet didn't win. It was a thing. Yeah. Let's move on to teasers to wrap up this episode. Can I go first since mine is so short? Maureen, what is your okay. teaser? My teaser is just that I've been really into mindfulness meditation for relaxation lately. So like the kind of meditation where someone in the app or whatever talks to you and like tells you to relax certain parts of your body. And it's just very soothing. Like I'm really into it. So if anyone has great apps or you know, free programs or whatever of like different meditations they like. It's just a nice thing to do for 15 minutes after you're like finished washing the dishes at night. I've really been enjoying it. Josh, what's your teaser? My teaser for this week is a book called The Black Echo. It is a detective crime novel by Michael Connolly and the first in his Harry Bosch series. It's well-written and engaging. And though some of the language and terminology used to talk about certain groups of people hasn't aged incredibly well, I give it a little bit of a pass because it was written in 1992 and those moments are few and far between. I'm now working my way through all of the 20 plus novels in the Harry Bosch series. So if you like well-constructed mysteries and crime novels, give this one a shot. And a special shout out to Zach, who is one of the hosts of Vernacular, uh, because he gave me the recommendation to read it. So thank you, Zach. Okay, that will do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. She's marrying Legolas. This is their second marriage for both of them. And She's marrying Legolas. Legolas. Pew, pew. Those no. are his little arrows. <laughs> I was going to say, he didn't, he didn't have a gun. No, no, no. It, those are his arrows. Oh, arrows. Bow okay. and arrows.